Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello there, everyone, and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I am an editor at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as always, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. Hey there. All right. Today, I wanted to take control of the podcast. This is different from any other week how, you ask? Yeah. <laughs> well, see, now I'm singing Janet Jackson in my head. That's how it's different from every other week. Yeah, we were uh, going through some other songs before we started the podcast. It was it was kind of a loopy morning, but today we wanted to talk about something that's not loopy, loopy. although you can have a loop in the programming for it. That's it true. is a microcontroller. We've actually touched on these in the past, well, a segment of these, because we talked about the Arduino, which is a kind of microcontroller, but uh, Jonathan said, why don't we take a step back and look at them as a whole? Yeah, we actually had some people ask us about microcontrollers. We even had one person say, could you explain the difference between a microcontroller and a microprocessor? And, uh, and, and really, the distinction is not black and white. There are- Some sort of black and silver- I'm just kidding. It's also green in some places. Yeah, no, there's um there's a uh, uh there's certain characteristics that a microcontroller has and if it has enough of them that's when we tend to call it a microcontroller versus a microprocessor. Now in general, a microprocessor tends to be a general purpose component. Yeah. Um Basically, when most people talk about a microprocessor, they're speaking uh, primarily of the chip that does a lot of the computing. Yeah, central um, processing unit is a, a very that's that's a type of microprocessor. Yeah, that's what I think of when I think microprocessor. Yes, that's what I think of too. Um, and there is a processor as part of a microcontroller, but a microcontroller is a very very tiny computer. Um, well, it doesn't have to be very very tiny, but it is um, basically a, a computer on a board. Yeah. Um, so it would have the board, which is the green I was referring to before, the circuit board, and it would have a processor uh, soldered into it, but it also might have other inputs and outputs on it. Uh, maybe an, a USB output that's wired in and uh, a couple LEDs, for example. It could be it could be a lot of different things, but usually it's a general purpose uh, or I'm sorry, a specific purpose that the microcontroller is designed to do. Right. And so you find them in all kinds of things, ovens. Toasters, you know, microwaves. cars, microwaves, um, yeah, and, and you know it, it is a computer, but it is—it's not like the kind of computer that sits on your desktop. Right, it's a very specific use. So we, you know, we've talked about these and things like we had our our, our podcast about microwaves. We mm-hmm. talked about a little bit on that, but uh, yeah, these are these are computers that have very specific uses, and because they have these narrow parameters, they don't need to be general purpose. So they tend to have a fairly limited number of uh, of uses that they can they can actually be um, em- employed for otherwise you know it's outside the realm of their scope so here are some general guidelines as to what makes a microcontroller and i'm pulling these from our article on how microcontrollers work which is an extensive article it is it is one of our i mean and it goes into detail if you want technical details about microcontrollers it's an excellent resource, and it was mm-hmm. written by Marshall Brain, who was the founder of HowStuffWorks.com. Mm-hmm. In fact, he uh, he took a 
specific kind of microcontroller and uh, talks about programming and how that you how you would get into that and um you know it depends on the microcontroller how you would program one yeah so we're not going to get into that much detail we're really going to touch on uh the uses of microcontrollers in general and 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 what goes into you know the makeup of them yeah we might talk uh, a little bit about yeah we'll talk a little bit about programming but we're going to take a very general approach because yeah yeah. otherwise you know you have to do a specific podcast over each one and that would just be ridiculous yeah but but uh, uh, Marshall went into detail on that specific kind of microcontroller, in, which is uh, programmed in BASIC. Yes. Uh, which is kind of cool, because I don't usually typically think of that as a microcontroller language. Right. So let's let's get down to the basic features of what a microcontroller is. So as, uh, as Marshall pointed out, they are typically embedded in something else. So a microcontroller is not its own thing. It is part of something else. So in, for an example, uh, the microwave. The microcontroller is what allows the commands you put into the microwave to be transferred into action within the microwave itself. Then they are dedicated to a specific task or specific program. And that program tends to be stored in read-only memory and does not change. So in other words, it's something that you're going to do over and over again you know it's 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 dedicated to a task that is repeatable and is not changing after you've done it once right so like a calculator and you you use a calculator to add 5 to 5 that's never going to change unless really? the laws of the universe change in which case or you know some some sort of crazy wacky parallel universe thing happens jonathan yeah remind me to get a new calculator Right. So then you have, uh, they also tend to, to be very efficient. They tend to not require a lot of power to operate. So, for example, uh, you know, you might have a, a full computer that has its own onboard battery, but you tend to keep it plugged in because mm-hmm. it drains a lot of power, right? Right. Well, microcontrollers do not require so much power, so they can be battery operated and last for a long time, and they're only pulling power whenever they're in use. Right. So that's why you could have a calculator that's battery operated and you don't have to change the batteries out that frequently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, if you have one that has also the little solar panels on it, you may not ever have to change the batteries depending on, you know, the, the environment you are in when you are using it. Right. Uh, it has a, a dedicated input device and usually, but not always, has some sort of display to show the output for the device. And, um, uh, Normally, you have this display there when you are first building or programming your microcontroller. And it's in order for you to make sure that the program you have built is operating properly before you start to go into like a manufacturing phase and you start implementing it into a product. So you would want to be able to test this extensively before you went into full production. Otherwise, you could end up producing a, a line of, of things that are flawed mm-hmm. because there was some line of code that you left out or there was an extra character or something. And now when you add five to five, you get cake. Like I said, I need a new calculator. Or um, less cake. <laughs> no, the uh, the use of uh, microwave in this case is a, a good example because, um, you know, in, in, the, uh, in the chips... 
baked into that, not baked into, soldered into, I'm, I'm just tripping all over stuff today, um, soldered into the board inside the microcontroller in the microwave. Um, it's got instructions on, you know, what each of those digits does on the keypad. It's got um, instructions on, on what to do when you press the coffee button versus the, the uh, popcorn button. Um, so many of these microwaves have these dedicated buttons now. Pizza. Yeah. Um, but it, basically the instructions are, hey, if he presses the pizza button, that means put the microwave on high for 75 seconds. Right. And that's it. You know, start. So uh, it, it has those instructions in there, and it also has a display um, instruction. So it, it, it shows what is going on to the user so that he or she has an idea of how long it's going to be cooked for and at what power. But, you know, it, it doesn't have to do things like tune a radio or uh, uh, try to find Facebook or something like that or, right. or do Wi-Fi because it's not programmed to do that. So it, they can they can mass produce these boards with the ROMs already in them and assemble it as part of the microwave. And every microwave should work that comes off the line with that board and it should work the same. Right. And, uh, and it, it doesn't have to be a manual input for a microcontroller to produce an output. So, right. for example, the microcontrollers you have in your car could be connected to various sensors in your car. Mm-hmm. And what happens is the sensor sends an input to the microcontroller, which then uh, creates the appropriate output for whatever that might be. And uh, it might be that it changes the settings of something else that's in your car, or it might be that it sends a signal so that the little check engine light pops up on your, on your uh, dashboard so that you then have to figure out what the heck has gone wrong. Mm-hmm. So, uh, for example, in my house, you figure out where you put the electrical tape so that you can tape over the check engine like, um, <laughs> well, problem the, solved. Yeah. Well, that, uh, anybody who's actually watched when they, uh, they do the diagnostics on a car and, and, uh, this would be good for the folks over at car stuff to talk about, but, um, in more detail, but you know, there is a board that they plug into yeah. so that the, uh, the mechanic can plug in and it will read what the microcontroller is inside the car. And there are several for different functions. Um, you know, it will say, Hey, the check engine light is on because. Yeah. You know, error code 57512, right. and they look it up in a book and they go, oh, well, that means that the EGR valve needs replacing. Or, yeah, or there's a belt that is not working properly. Yes. Yeah, and then it turns out, just in case you're wondering, there are apps out there for smartphones where you can mm-hmm. get mm-hmm. a uh, proprietary cable that will hook up into a smartphone, and you hook the other end of the cable to your, your t- uh, car's computer, and it'll actually tell you what the code is. Now, you may still have to go and look up what the code means because uh, not all of these apps have a complete database on what every single code for every single model of vehicle right. translates to. Right. But at least then you can have an idea of what's actually wrong, which that's for... Uh, that, you know, if you're going to do it yourself... Yeah, we're getting off topic a bit, but the idea being that you will, you'll be able to diagnose what's wrong with your car so that way when you take it into a mechanic, you can be reasonably sure... That, uh, that whatever the mechanic's telling you is either true or not true. Mm-hmm. Because there's always that worry. You know, when cars get more and more sophisticated and it becomes more and more difficult to understand what's going on with them, you never really know if the, what the mechanic's telling you is actually what's wrong with your car or maybe they're adding on to it. Yeah, yeah. well, of course, not every mechanic is untrustworthy, but some no, are. There, um, there are. There's some good mechanics out there, but that's the thing, is that because you don't know, you have exactly. to rely entirely on them. Exactly. I, I don't think it, you were so off-topic, Jonathan, because uh, 
you know, that, that really indicates how pervasive microcontrollers really are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people talk about the, con- the computers in their cars, or you'll see, uh, I have a toaster that I thought was kind of funny a few years ago because it said, you know, that it, it had a, uh, uh, microprocessor inside. And I was thinking, really, is that a selling point for my toaster? Um, but yeah, I mean, it, these, these devices are in just about anything that we plug in these days and some things that we don't like your cars. And, um, you know, the, the good, uh, the advantage to that is that, um, you know, it does make these devices more sophisticated. It gives us more control in some cases. It gives us more, um, uh, options as far as what we can do with all the, I mean, this gigantic range of, of devices. It also provides more points to break down because, you know, typically the more complex a thing is, the more chances it has to bust. Yeah, this um, is something so, we call entropy. Yes. Systems, well, systems have a tendency, the more, the more organized and complex a system, the greater the tendency is for it to slowly break down into the simplest form. Right, right. And that's, you know, that, I think that is why it's interesting to look at microcontrollers because, um, it gives you a sense of what's going on behind the scenes and what may or may not be at, at play. Um, but it's good that microcontrollers can help us track these things down too when it's not the microcontroller itself that's yeah. at fault. Um, but and, yeah, typically these are not things that we program ourselves. Like you program a computer, you might learn Java or Ruby or Python to go program a computer. Most of these things are behind the scenes. The ROMs are soldered onto the boards. We never touch them. Yeah, yeah. Now, that doesn't mean you can't, but... Uh, right. But there are specific types of microcontrollers you would have to get in order to be able to to program on top of them. I'm going to overclock my toaster. Yeah. The mic- liquid-cooled toast... Wait, no. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know... It never toasts anymore. What's re- wrong with that? You reduce the resistance. Uh, it's pretty amazing. Now, the um, there are a couple of other little things I want to talk about, other features that could possibly uh, mark something as a microcontroller. They tend to be small. They tend to uh, be fairly cheap, which is important. I mean, that's one of the reasons why you want a microcontroller. You want something that's focused and narrow because you don't have to worry about building in all these other features, and that helps reduce the cost, mm-hmm. which, of course, you then turn around and you can you can – uh, competitively price whatever your product is, whether it's a toaster or a car. And then uh, they also often, but not always, are made to be pretty tough to work in a variety of conditions. Because obviously, if you have a car, the operating conditions inside a car tend to be pretty warm. Mm-hmm. Engines engines give off a lot of heat. Right. Um, and so you need to have electronics that can withstand that heat because, as we all know, heat plus electronics often equals sad face. Yes. That's math. <laughs> well, in in the cases of things like uh, now that we have these, these wireless handheld game controllers and things like that, um, you know, sometimes they tend to fly around the room when people get a little bit overzealous. You know, things like that, you you don't want it to, uh, the components to be exposed because if you do, then they're going to break. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, you might want to know generally how powerful these microcontrollers are. Well, they don't need to be terribly powerful. And so a lot of them, yeah, a lot of them are, have have some incredibly bare bones specs. Now, uh, one of the ones that Marshall wrote about was, he said, like, if you were to take a low-end microcontroller chip, so this is not state-of-the-art by any means, 
It would have around, it could have around a thousand bytes of read-only memory and 20 bytes of RAM on the chip, and then eight input-output pins. And so, you know, if you're buying a whole bunch of these, they'd be pretty cheap because they're they're not very sophisticated. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if you were to get a microprocessor, then you would have to spend more money because you're going to be packing a lot more components and a lot more features onto the same size chip. Mm-hmm. You could certainly build one of these yourself. Um, there are plenty of places where you can get the chips and boards and other components where um, you could do, you could essentially build uh, a microcontroller to take over any kind of project like this that you wanted to undertake. Um, and you'll see that these, the processors that you can buy are, you know, they're fairly inexpensive and they, they are not designed to handle that kind of instruction set. Um, but it, what, what's really cool about that is that you can customize a microcontroller to do whatever it is that you want to do, provided right. that you have the programming expertise to do it. Right. Now, so you may remember we did an ep- episode about logic gates a while yes. back. Mm-hmm. Now, logic gates are what allow you to control the flow of electrons in such a way so that you can have a meaningful output depending upon particular types of input. And... Uh, what these microcontrollers do is they provide you the opportunity to build gates in a software environment as opposed to a hardware environment. So in other words, you could accomplish the same thing that a microcontroller does by hardwiring things together, but that would make the components enormous by comparison, right? Yes. Because you would have all these different wires and all these different components that that were connected together so that let's say you push a button and you want this one particular light to come on but not any of these other lights to come on because those lights should only come on if you push another button well all the wires you would need to put this entire system together might be pretty cumbersome and it might be that you know you could not fit this in a very small package and in fact we see this if we look at the history of electronics you'll see that the older the electronics are in general, the larger the the uh, particular version of whatever it is you're looking at was. Mm-hmm. So, for example, the earliest computers took up sometimes an entire floor of a building mm-hmm. because uh, you know you had to accomplish with basic electronic parts what we can do with chips today. Mm-hmm. So, a microcontroller, what that allows you to do with this read-only memory, that's where you can imprint on that a program that through software, creates a, uh, a virtual series of logic gates so that depending upon the inputs that the chip receives, it will give out a specific type of output. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to hardwire stuff as much with a microcontroller, although there is still hardwiring because you do have to, you know, you do have to actually connect inputs to those those uh, input pins, those input output pins, uh-huh. and you have to connect the output to whatever it is that you are, you know, using as an output. Often it tends to be a little LCD or, or LED screen mm-hmm. uh, when you're at least when you're first programming it, so that you can make sure that you're getting the response that you want. Uh, you know, you, you, there is still that, but the majority of the work comes from building out the logic within the program itself. Now. Uh, mm, as we, programming, yeah, and and it it really is programming. It really is saying, for this instance, when this happens, this is what needs to happen as a result. That's the basic idea of a program, right? 
Right. And G- given this, given this instance, this output. Yeah, and I think it's it's fair to say, and I haven't. I'll be honest. I haven't. Uh, as much as I want to get into uh, some basic hacking, I haven't really worked with any microprocessors yet. Or I'm sorry, microcontrollers. I've worked with either one of them, frankly. Right. Um, I'm going to trip over everything I say today. I'm just going to stop talking. But what I was going to say is that uh, you know, from many th- many people think of programming as you know, egad. It's programming that's not for me. And uh, you know, really, programming is for anyone. Uh, but if you are concerned about that, you shouldn't be as far as microcontrollers are concerned because we're again talking about some very simple things. Um, you know, literally, if somebody pushes this button, then you want to do that. And if they don't, don't do it. So, you know, it's not, we're not talking about lines and lines and lines of code. You're not writing a new operating system for a, uh, desktop computer. You're writing a very simple, uh, set of commands to a very simple computer. Right. Especially since, you know, you gotta keep in mind, these microcontrollers have very little memory on board. They can't hold lines and lines and lines of code. What were we talking about again? Yeah. Uh, in fact, the, the one that, that Marshall writes about in how microcontrollers work. The basic stamp. He explains that it can hold about 75 lines of code. Mm-hmm. So you have to make sure that your program is very succinct, that it's compact, that you're not taking up lines and lines and lines to accomplish whatever the goal is. That's right. So, uh, you know, by, by necessity, you are kept to a pretty small amount of coding, which, if you are just getting into coding, might be a great thing. It might be, you know, to teach yourself how to think in a sequential way, the way a machine processes information. I was about to say the way the machine thinks, but really, thinking is, well, it's not quite the right word. Thinking in quotes. Yeah. We, we like to, to say that the machine is thinking when you see the, uh, the hourglass or the spinning beach ball, but uh, but yeah, no, it's really just really processing thinking. data. It's just it's going through whatever the the data is that's coming into it and saying, uh, "What's the right response to this?" Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I got it. Hourglass. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and uh, that's that's sort of what I was getting at. If this is if um, you're interested in getting into hacking, and I mean that in the the classical sense, not in the we're going to break into government computers and take over the world sense. Um, you know, a microcontroller, working with a microcontroller might be a good um, experiment because then it would give you something that you could, physically, that you could work with. Yeah. Um, maybe uh, come up with your own experiment or your own um, component for doing something cool. And it doesn't require an extensive amount of programming to make it work. Right. Um, so it might be a, it might be a fun project for somebody who's just getting into programming. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I would recommend anyone who is really interested in learning about programming microcontrollers and what they can do, go to the how microcontrollers work article first of all, so that you can get a, a basic understanding of the the way that you would design a microcontroller uh, uh, circuit, really. Mm-hmm. or a uh, component. And then you can, uh, there, there are instructions on how to build a digital clock with a microcontroller mm-hmm. and also a digital thermometer. So that way you can actually learn different things that you can do with the same basic component. Um, and again, these are both very specific use cases. So 
your digital thermometer isn't suddenly going to be able to play Pac-Man. You know, it's it's again, it's a dedicated uh, a task that it's you know designed for, and that's mm-hmm. it. Yep. So, I I do recommend checking it out. It is a good way to sort of cut your teeth on on programming. Uh, again, this one being in the basic language, but uh, there are of course other languages you can learn as well. Mm-hmm. Well, it tends to be pretty easy to to learn if you know anything about programming already, even if you've never used basic before, because it's basic. I mean, it was, the language itself was designed as a teaching tool. Yeah. It wasn't necessarily intended to be a fully fledged programming language to build out sophisticated, uh, software. It was meant to teach people how to think in that way so that then they could move on and graduate to more complex, uh, more sophisticated programming languages. We did an episode about programming languages, too, where we kind of talked about that. Yeah, yeah. And both Jonathan and I have uh, fiddled around with BASIC in the past. Different versions of BASIC, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. um, I did Apple BASIC. Yeah. I did Amiga BASIC, so. Yeah, there you go. So that's, you know, that and that, friends, is where the split began. Yeah. (laughs) It was only compounded by Chris's refusal to watch the movie Jaws. He's never going to get over that. It's not it, until I watch the movie. You just see those splits and you know how the how the chasm widens further and further with every every episode. It's amazing we've gotten through 400 without hitting each other. I think we're going to need a bigger podcast. I think we hey nice. Nice. He's quoting something he's never seen before. It doesn't make me want to hit him at all. All right. <laughs> so anyway, uh did you have anything else you wanted to say about microcontrollers? Um no, not really, but uh it, it's that's one of those unheralded things. I mean, people just don't talk about when we talk about computers, we usually talk about those machines that we use yeah, every day, but microcontrollers are those machines that we use every day and just don't everywhere. think of them as being computers. Yeah. But yeah, they really are. Yeah. Every, just about every kind of electronics you can imagine has some form of microcontroller in it, often multiple microcontrollers. Yeah. So yeah, um, very important piece of electronics. And if we did not have them and we were only relying upon microprocessors, everything would be way more expensive yeah. or far more primitive. Uh, for example, your remote control might be the closest kid to the TV. That's what it was in my household yeah. until we got. Yeah. That's why I'm laughing. I, I remember that. <laughs> Turning the dial three spaces. Yeah, Paul. Um, my family never never really spoke quite like that. Yeah. Anyway, all right. So, guys, if you have any suggestions for future topics that we can tackle here on this podcast, let us know. You can send us an email. Our address is techstuff at discovery.com. Or let us know on Facebook or Twitter. Our handle there is techstuffhsw. And Chris and I will talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?